Amen. Can we put our hands together and give God a cheer? Amen. How many know He's good? Amen. God, you're so good. You're so amazing. Hallelujah. Amen. Aren't you glad this morning that uh, the Scripture says that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father forever praying for us? Amen. Aren't you glad this morning that somebody's praying for you? Jesus is praying for your case this morning. And so whatever your need is, whatever the case is, amen, let's have confidence today that Jesus is praying for us. Amen. Aren't you glad for that? Can we lift our hands and say, Lord, I just thank you that you're praying for us. Amen. For all eternity. You are pleading our case this morning and we give you all the praise and all the glory. Lord, we thank you that, Lord, you are, Lord, our deliverer, our healer, and our Savior today. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. You may be seated today. Amen. So good to see everybody here today. I'm going to just reiterate a couple things. I just wanted to just kind of... uh, what Brother uh, Anthony said it in the uh, announcements, just reiterate a couple things. First of all, work night this Thursday, 6 o'clock at the OC. That property care group was a new serve team that we actually started um, last month, I think it was. And uh, so if you'd like to be on that serve team, and it's basically the landscaping and um, th- whatever there, the property care for the OC, uh, mostly the outside. And uh, I've been doing it the first year. I did a lot and mowed and mowed lawn and did this and that and everything. But uh, I'm just really too busy for that. It's not my job anyways. Anyway, so, uh, you know, we, we want to get everybody involved. And so we'd like to do that and, and that would be a good thing. The second thing I'd like to um, just uh, repeat is the Soul Winners Boot Camp. Uh, one of the things that Brother Andy even texted me this morning and uh, Andy Elms, and, and um, he just really wanted us to, to um, get involved as much as we can. He'd like to see at least 100 people uh, get on that. And so that's in the afternoon, and it's a uh, kind of like a webinar-type deal at 4 or 4.30 our time, which would be 10.30, 11 his time. So he's really making that sacrifice, and he really, want, really wanted to reach out to our church um, specifically. And so I just wanted to encourage you. This is for everybody, and this is just a four-week that's nothing more than four weeks, and it's just uh, kind of just really talking about mostly his book, uh, Soul Winners. He's not talking about his book. He's covering what's in his book, Soul Winners, um, that book. And again, we, we could do that. We could actually, my wife and I talked about, we could get some books, and if you'd like to read that and uh, buy that book in the back, we could have that available for you. And uh, just, uh, I, I think I'm on the fourth chapter, and, and it's just an amazing, amazing book that's really challenged me in a lot of ways in evangelism. And so I uh, really appreciate the Lord for Brother Andy. And so we're going to have him here sometime. Uh, he said whenever he's allowed to travel freely from... Um, from the UK and how, however that works out. I know he's getting booked, but we'd love to have him here. How many were here the last time we had Brother Andy Elms and from England? Just a, an awesome um, pastor, really, and uh, becoming a, a great friend. And so we just want to encourage you to do that, everybody. And so you go on, on uh, it doesn't cost you to sign anything to sign up. So you just go to, as the link was, I believe it's uh, soulwinnersbootcamp.co.uk forward slash trainer or training, or trainer, and so, um, uh, yeah, so that'd be great. I want to just repeat those things, really great. Just, uh, we usually have a good turnout at the OC. It didn't really feel like I had to do, I'm, I wanted to do that, just repeat that, and make that clear that this is kind of a new um, thing we're doing. Now, I also want to say things are progressing and moving along at the OC with construction, and we're uh, so happy about it, so more and more, we're just, you know, I'm, I'm seeing uh, some light 
at the end of the tunnel there. And uh, we've got a little ways to go, but I'm so excited because how many know wherever God's people are, there's light and, man, and there's hope. And so we're seeing that whatever God wants to do through us and in us um, is going to bring a lot of hope. And, um, of course, the gospel itself is amazing. Amen. How many believe that? All right, we have some visitors, so we had a wonderful uh, wedding yesterday, so there are some visitors here. We welcome you, uh, and we're just so happy for Cameron, Cameron and Mariah, and uh, the wedding was so great yesterday, and, and so they're, they're hitched, and they're married, and they're excited and so happy, and so we're happy for them, and uh, for those of you who are uh, just joining us today because of that wedding, uh, welcome. We just want to say thank you for coming today. I hope everybody is ready for takeout today. I didn't know if you were ready for takeout. We got, uh, uh, you know, when you come to church, that's what, do, you know, God kind of prepares something for you and you got to take it home. How many know that? Amen. So this morning, I don't know what we'll to call it, Word Dash or Jesus Eats or Sermon Hub, whatever, whatever. It'll work, right? And uh, so hopefully you were ready this morning um, for the Word. Let's turn to Philippians chapter 2 and I'm just going to continue on the ministry of service. And we've been talking about this and <clears throat> as I I got to be honest, uh, even yesterday, today, just some things that the Lord was just really quickening and speaking to me. Um, this is just something that I feel like is just an, an amazing um, principle in the, in, in the Bible. And I just feel like every time I'm, you know, going through these scriptures and going over these principles, I'm seeing a little bit more of Jesus and uh, what he's called us to do than I have before. But in Philippians chapter 2, um, and starting in verse 5 through 8, and I hope that you kind of got this down pat by now. But let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of of the cross. This morning, as I, before I got up here, the Holy Spirit just reminded me, notice Jesus' occupation in life. He was a carpenter. He, he was a servant right from the very beginning. How many believe that he was a servant in the natural and a servant in the spiritual? He was a servant all the way through. Through and through, he was a servant. You couldn't really, um, you know, someone that was a carpenter would, you know, obviously we know what that is, but he probably had the ability, he know he had the ability and power to do cordless, uh, you know, tools, but he didn't want to do that. I think he wanted to use the old tools because he really wanted to show us what it is to work and to serve other people. How many believe that? So I, I made that up. Anyways. Uh, one of the things I, I just thought about is why does God want us to be servants? Why is that important? Well, we've got to serve the church. Nope. Here, here's a couple reasons why. Number one, it reflects Jesus. It reflects Jesus. Um, Jesus is seen, and because that's who Jesus was, and we see it. And, and it also develops character, the character of Jesus. Christ in you, Paul said, the hope of glory. There's something about developing Christ in us. And it's the role of every believer, every disciple. Someone said, I believe in Jesus, but I'm just not a disciple yet. Well, it's the same thing. Okay. So if you believe you're a disciple, if you're a disciple, if you're a believer. How many understand that, right? It's a role of every believer. And really, it's God's pathway to love and maturity. It really is. There's, we can't take a side street, a shortcut. How many know Jesus has a way? He is the way. He is the truth. And there is a way and that God has for us to walk in. And it's the development of leadership in the church or in our lives. It's the development of leadership. <clears throat> Three principles I just want to share with you 
this morning about serving that are really kind of the overall, just really overall good principles about serving. Number one, I believe serving wins over pride. Serving wins over pride. You get the victory over pride. There's other ways um, that we can overcome pride, but this is probably a very, um, very simple and very powerful way that we can overcome pride. How many know that this is how sin started was through pride? I mean, we say this, what's in the middle of sin? I. What's in the middle of pride? I. This is how sin started. Not with Eve, by the way, but with Satan. Come on. Satan said, I will ascend. I will sit. I will do this. I will do that. How many know it started with him? And he just, come on, he started with him. And you know, those who have been delivered from witchcraft and, and the occult, you'll know and understand uh, you know this, that the number one verse in the Satanic Bible is do as you will. Because pride is in the center of sin, right? And sin is in the center of pride. And so we have to understand that serving helps us overcome pride. Because it's our, one of our number one enemies in our lives, excuse me, <clears throat> is pride. And so this is where sin grows. It grows in the garden of pride. That's exactly where it grows. And so, you know, the, the Bible teaches us principles that help us overcome pride, like the last shall be first, the humble shall be exalted, and the meek shall inherit. How many know those are great principles to live by? Is that right? And they help you overcome pride. The second thing is, is that serving is a spiritual principle. We, we do it in the natural, we put it in the practice in the natural, but it is a very spiritual principle. Let me just tell you this, that the devil doesn't want you to serve. He doesn't want you to be a servant. You know why? Because he couldn't beat the servant, a servant the first time around. He couldn't defeat a servant before. And now he doesn't want you to be a servant because he knows that you can overcome and he can't get to you if you're a servant of God. Is that good? All right. I believe that. So, because look, when Jesus died, Jesus was exalted and the devil was defeated simply because Jesus was a servant and yielded to God. How many know this is a spiritual principle? This is a very spiritual principle. And, you know, this is really power and authority. Everybody's looking for power and authority. You know, we think prophesying this and that and everything. And if I had power over the devil, you want power over the devil, serve like Jesus served. Because Jesus overcame the devil, right? And the devil could not defeat a servant. Jesus came as a servant and he won as a servant. Amen. And the third principle is, I just want to give you real quick, is that serving is not abuse. According to God, serving is not abuse. has nothing to do with abuse. How many know God would never lead you to a place of abuse? Come on, somebody. He would never lead you to a place of brokenness. And he'll never... Now, does serving in our flesh, does it hurt us? Yes, it does. Do we have to die to our flesh? Yes, we do. But how many know that's not abuse? He'd never lead you in a place of, of abuse. And I had to say that because if you look at the very definition of serving, people just don't like it. And they think that it has something to do with abuse. It has nothing to do with abuse. God would never lead you down a path of abuse. Come on, somebody, right? Now, if you didn't like some of my lessons and teachings about serving the last couple of weeks, you certainly won't like this. Because the definition of serving, and we've got to put it in context of the Bible, let's Let's have the mentality of Jesus and let's not think in terms of a, a, a political correct view in 2021, but in the biblical view. And it means this. I, I've looked it up and I've, I've did translations and research. The number one meaning of serving is to be a slave. 
literal, figuratively, involuntary, voluntary sense of subjection is what it means. A person bound in serving without wages. That's what we would say that that means to be a slave. But it means to bind or to to be, (coughs) excuse me, in bonds. It also means to knit or tie together or wind together. That's what it means. It means to wind together, to be knitted together. Anyone really who is bound to work or forced to work, whether they like it or not, by some contract or because of an, a, an agreement or a deal, that's what, what that word means, serving. You're serving. You're, you're a servant of somebody else. And how many know if you're a servant, that means that you have a master. You have an overseer. You have someone that's telling you what to do. Somebody is kind of over you. How many believe Come on, so let's put it in biblical context. We are servants of God. He is our master. He is our teacher. He is our Lord. We're not the Lord. Come on, somebody. We're not, amen, the one that's over everybody else. Jesus is over us. Is this okay? You can swallow now. It's okay. You can breathe. So, and here's what it is. In Jesus Christ, we are bound by love. We have committed ourselves, we have dedicated ourselves, we are going to be loyal and faithful to Jesus because of what He's done and who we are in Him and the relationship that we have in Him. And so we love Him, how many know, because what? He first loved us, is that right? And so gave Himself for us. And so from the, the Word of God, if we study it, a bondservant was somebody that, you know, was, you had to serve, you were forced to, but in Christ, it is a, I'm a servant from the heart. I have bound myself, I have committed myself, I have tied myself with Jesus Christ. I am His servant. A servant just can say, well, I don't feel like it today. How many know that's not a good attitude of a servant? It just says, whatever you say, I will do. We're afraid of this in our culture, we hate this, we, we, we push this away, but how many know in Jesus Christ we embrace this? We embrace this. Now, I'm not talking about people. I'm not talking about people abusing other people. I'm talking about serving the Lord. Amen. Everybody was happy a few minutes ago. What what happened? I don't know what happened to that. Um, Because, you know, I thought to myself, how many Christians view our actions or view their actions as something that we owe to God for what He has done for us? Oh, no. No, God owes us. No, He needed to forgive us. Oh, we were already saved. No. How many know that's, that's... that's not an attitude of faith. That's not a spirit of belief. That is a spirit of pride and arrogance and entitlement where we think Jesus has to forgive us. He must forgive me. He, he better forgive me. How many know that's arrogance? It's because He did it willingly. He didn't have to do it. I don't know about you, but do we see the grace as something that we deserve or we see the grace as something that we totally did not deserve. He completely caught us off guard and offered to us something we did not deserve. Is that how you view grace? Or do you view grace that, God, it was coming to me anyways, and you better give it to me? How do you know that's not a good attitude to have? Especially before the Lord, who has the up or down button right here. Okay? All right. Everybody gets that one, right? Come on, we live from the heart, don't we? We serve God from the heart. And so we can serve others out of a heart of love because of what Jesus has done for us. Now we say, Lord, we are your servants. We freely submit ourselves, freely give ourselves because of what you have done. I am bound to you. See, we're struggling in our day with commitment. 
We're struggling in our day with dedication because it says, I don't have to if I don't want to. But how many as a believer we say, we need to? We need to. Let me give you three attributes of serving, especially in the church. And we're just going to cover these a little bit. Number one, position. So important in the church. And I'll just go through them. Position, motivation, and impact. These are three attributes of serving in the church that I just want to go over about the ministry of serving that's so important. I probably won't get to them but all, but position, motivation, and impact. <clears throat> Let's talk about position for a little bit. And I want to just start out talking about titles in the kingdom of God. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 26, let's actually turn there or click there. Matthew chapter 20. We hardly ever turn in our Bibles. I like that sound, by the way. But Matthew chapter 20. And then in verse 26 and, and 28, really... Again, Jesus is having a discussion. This is the, the, the end of that discussion. He was answering something, and um, he was giving an example, actually. And he said this. He said, it's not going to be that way among you. It shall not be a, that way among you. But whoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. Whoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. For even, if, even the Son of Man did not come to be ministered to, but to minister and give his life for ransom for many." And so he says, whoever's going to be great among you or leader among you, let him be your minister or your servant. Whoever's going to be chief, he used the word chief here in the King James, chief among you or first, let him be your servant or your slave. What an opposite end of the spectrum Jesus is giving, but he's also teaching us and he's explaining to us, number one, greatness, number two, leadership. He's actually giving us this formula for greatness. Did you know that God has no problem with being great? How many know it's nothing wrong with being great? It's that God doesn't want you to be famous. So he didn't say that you couldn't be great or you couldn't be the chief or you couldn't be this. You just had to be the best or the, not the best, but the greatest servant among everybody. How many know that that kind of took the air out of their sails right there? Really? I thought I had to be the loudest, I had to be the strongest, I had to be the tallest, I had to be the most powerful, the most gifted, the most... No. He said, if you just want to be great among everybody else and be a leader and be chief, he said, you need to be the minister, the servant. And chief, that word chief is first, first in line. How many know that's in our nature to be first in line, first waited on, first with us, first? How many know that's in our nature? We want the first. Push everybody out of the way, we get in front of the line, that's us. He said, if you want to be that way, be the last. I mean, no, that, that really messes with you, doesn't it? And so it did. It messed with the disciples. And, and again, I've said this every, all, all three weeks, and I'm going to say it again today. The highest position in the kingdom is a servant. The greatest title in the kingdom of God is a servant. It's not an apostle. It's not a prophet. It's a servant. A couple. That's great. So, so you know, th- this is why I have to see. See, Paul said that they're, they are the best gifts. There, there are certainly good gifts and better gifts and everything, but not the best position. Now, now, really, we have to ask ourselves, are titles biblical and are they really necessary? And so my answer to that is yes. Because even in Ephesians chapter 4, it teaches us and it goes through some of these what we would call titles or positions in the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. It does give other listings of gifts or positions in the church. Bishops and so on and so forth. Uh, Paul even said that he was an apostle of Jesus Christ. So he went by that label, went by that title, uh, and talked about his position in the church. So how many believe that they are important? They are, they are necessary in, and they are biblical 
in the kingdom of God. But let me just say this to you, that titles are a part of God's design for order and growth. Did you know that? Order and growth. How many know God's got an order? Amen. If, if you know anything, anything about God, you know He has an order. In, in nature, and everything He's created, it's got a tremendous order and structure, and it's beautiful, isn't it? But everything, especially when it comes to the church, titles are a part of God's design for order and growth. Look at the, the way that God had designed um, the children of Israel and how that they were supposed to encamp. They were in 12 tribes, and they were, you know, each one was positioned a certain way. Each one had their own. Come on. I mean, I don't have time to get into it. I'm not that great at it right now. But if you think about it, the way that God had an order and a design for growth. And it was for growth. How many know God wants our, the church to grow? How many know Jesus said, I'm building the church. I'm not babysitting the church. He's building the church. He's, it's growing. It should grow. A healthy church should be growing. How many know if we don't reproduce ourselves as a church, we'll die, right? So it's got to grow. And so this is an order. God's order and growth is titles and positions in the church. So yeah, that's necessary for that. There was the Levites. There was, uh, you know, all kinds of people. Did you know that there was a people in, the, in, the, in those tribes, the 12 tribes when they were camping, there was a special group of people that all they did was chop wood. There was actually a special room in the temple and near the tabernacle just for, for chopping wood and stacking wood. Why? Because every day the fire had to be maintained. They were never allowed, never allowed for the fire to go out. Not one time. You had to keep that fire going. So how many know you needed people chopping wood, cutting down trees? That, how many know that's necessary? And you're just like, what, what do you do? Well, I'm, a, I'm a priest and I go in once a year. What do you do? I chop wood. Just a wood chopper. You chop wood, God's coming down, we're all dead. If you stop, you're, we're done. You know, that's important. How many know that was important? So I just wanted to throw that out there because so many times we, we look at it and we say, I, wanna, I feel God's calling me to be that priest. And No, no. How about God's just calling you to be a woodcutter or wood chopper, you know, whatever you want to call it. you got to maintain the fire. Amen. And so they're all part of order and growth and development and God's presence. How many know if God had all that structure and all that order and all that detailed structure just to come down and speak to somebody, how many know He's still got order in the church to move among us, to speak and to do? So we see that. We understand. All right. So I believe that what we consider lower, insignificant, or inferior class of, of uh, serving and in the church or in the kingdom, God sees as important, necessary, and anointed. Amen. Yes. And I, I just thought of my, I was just talking to a pastor friend of mine this last week, and I just said, why is it that people, when they talk about the ministry, their ultimate goal and aim is to be a pastor? First of all, are you crazy? This, job's cra this job is hazardous to help. I mean, this is nuts. You, 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 are you crazy? You want this responsibility? I mean, it's a special call to do that. But anyways, and uh, just, you know, whatever. And, and why is it that we feel like God's called me to the ministry? And as soon as I see, say that, God's called me to be a pastor. Well, how many know not everybody's called to be a pastor? I mean, we got so many calls in the church and with so many roles that we need to be playing. Why does everybody want to be, do one job? That doesn't make sense, does it? It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Amen. How many know everybody can't just, I want to be the one running the tractor and sowing the seed? Well, you can't. Not everybody can do that. 
You know, right? Come on, right? So I feel like that we have to change our mentality about some things. And I, I'm, just recently, I talked to somebody, and, and uh, they're, they're always, you know, they were always talking to me about a call of God on their life, call of God on their life, call of God on their life. Finally, they're, they're in their 60s, and finally they're like, I can't wait anymore. i got to start a church. i got to be a pastor. I was like, do you think God wasn't speaking to you when you were 30 and 40 to do something? Do you think that, why was that the ultimate goal in your life? And he's not that great at it, by the way. <laughs> but he just feels that, it just seems like that's the ultimate thing for him, and that's the ministry. And that, listen, the ministry, I heard people say, well, God's called me in the ministry, and I'm called to be a prophet. Well, that's great, that's great, but you're called to be a servant first. Amen. And so, but it's all part of God's design and order. And if God's called you to be a prophet, be the, be the best that God wants you to be or do it well, as the Bible says. And so I just wanted to <clears throat> say this too and on, on, the, on the tail end of that, that I, I feel like this is such a, an important point today. We have to get this, that Jesus does not make men into celebrities. He makes people into servants. He does not take men and make them into celebrities. He makes them into servants. That hurt, didn't it? Amen. See, we don't start at the bottom as a servant and work your way up in the kingdom. You know, and, I, and I've been guilty of even preaching stuff like that or saying things like that, but that's really not the way it is. And because servanthood is the ultimate goal of every believer. It is the starting point and the end goal for every single believer. Can you say amen? Amen. And so Luke chapter 22, again, we've read this, but in, in verse 27 it says, For who is greater, the one at the table or one who serves? Is it not the one that sits at the table? He said, but I'm come as one who serves. That's amazing, isn't it? See, celebrity ministry has stunted the growth of the church. Because it's got to be the man or the woman. They, they're the celebrity. We worship them, we follow them, we do their teachings. They are the people. How many know that's not... The pattern of the church for today especially. Celebrity ministry has killed people. It has damaged people. It has absolutely turned people from the faith. God has not called anybody to be a, a celebrity. Hasn't. If Jesus wasn't called to be a celebrity, why do we think we are? Amen? I mean, Jesus could have been the, and He is the biggest, you know, celebrity in history now. But back then, when He walked the earth, He wasn't going around, I'm going to teach you how to leave your legacy. I'm going to teach you how to be a legend. I'm going to teach you to be the best. You know what Jesus said? I'm going to teach you to wash people's feet. Okay. That's not my way to celebrity, you know, being a celebrity status. But, okay, God, I'll do it. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Is that right? So here's, here's the point. God has given titles for ministry, not rulership. God gives us titles for ministry, not rulership. Jesus called the people, to, the disciples together and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their high officials exercise authority over them. And everybody was like, yeah, let's do that. And Jesus was like, no, that's not what we're doing. We're doing something different. We're actually going to serve. We're not going to be interested in ruling over each other. We're going to be concerned about serving one another. And they're all like, oh, okay. I get it. All right. So how many believe that God has given titles for ministry? Amen. So that's for ministry. And, you know, I believe that left up to ourselves, we would want to rule over people. I believe that's in our nature and our lower nature to rule over people and to be over people and have everybody under us. How many believe that's 
Come on, somebody. That's in our lower nature. And when sin takes over in any culture, you're going to have extreme rulership over people. You're going to have abuse and you're going to have all kinds of those things. I believe that. And so we are to be servants in the natural so, as, so that we have authority in the spiritual. Look Again, look at Jesus' life. How many know Jesus was a servant in the natural and how many believe that he had, he had authority in the spiritual? Oh, yes, he did. Read Philippians chapter 2. God hath highly exalted him, given him a name above every other name, that everything in, in, the, in heaven and the earth and under the earth must bow its knee to Jesus Christ. How many know that's authority? How many believe you have that authority through Jesus Christ? Amen. Well, it came because he was a servant. It came because he served. And so we serve as we serve in the natural, it really opens up that that area of authority in the spiritual. Many people want to be authoritarians over in the natural over everybody, and they want to be the boss of the church. How many know there's no such thing as a king of the church? Okay? There's no thing as the boss of the church. Amen. Jesus is our boss. Is that right? Jesus is head of the church. Amen. And so in the garden, God said, take dominion over the earth and to, to serve His purpose. Not to rule over each other, not to fight and contend, but to, to, to serve His purpose. And so a title describes your activity. Uh, position describes your responsibility. So when you have that position, it's a responsibility. It's not something you just flaunt around. Amen. It's a responsibility, especially in the kingdom. And, but you know, the title and a position should never define you. It should never be the thing that you live for and that, you know, that if you don't have a title or position, then you really don't have a ministry and God really isn't. Come on, somebody. It shouldn't define you. And so a, a title does not create a servant's heart. How many believe that? There's a lot of people with big titles and they are the least servants. They would not serve. They would not go out of the church. They would not feed any homeless person. They would not serve in a soup kitchen. They wouldn't show up for work day. They wouldn't do any type of serving. They feel they're too high and too far above that. How many know if you ever get to that place, you're in a dangerous place? That's not a good place to be at. Because a title doesn't create a servant's heart. You can come and say, well, I think uh, this, this guy has bad character and he's really unfaithful and he's got a lot of shady areas going on in life. If we just give him a title, then, then he'll be a servant. How many know that's not going to help? If anything, it's going to make it worse. Then you got somebody that's out of control completely. <laughs> Amen. And so a title doesn't know this. A lot of you know this and, and you understand this. But our perception of being a servant a disciple or a minister stops at a title. See, that's, that's our perception. We think that a servant, a disciple, okay, th that it stops at a title, then we go on to something better. How many know it, it never, I mean, it changes us. It never should change you. It never should define because you're defined of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. That's how we're defined. Amen. So I don't need a title to feel better about myself. I don't need a title or position in the church or wherever to say, oh, yeah, now I'm significant. Oh, now I'm going to change. All of a sudden, I got the character of Jesus in me. How many know that doesn't work like that? I wish it did. That'd be kind of cool. Get somebody off the street, kind of the worst Worst, you know, uh, you know, worst uh, guy in Williamsport, get him off the street, give him a title. Woo, he's the most Christian you've ever seen. How many know it doesn't happen? Amen. All right. Hallelujah. So maybe I think because we want titles, because we don't like the way we don't like titles or we want those titles, we don't want to be servants because <laughs> I think we don't like the way people treat servants. And so we don't want to 
we don't want to identify with that because we, now, we know down deep inside we don't like the way people treat servants. We don't like the way they're treated. We feel like we just need a little bit extra ice cream than everybody else. I mean, you know, we don't like that. And that's in our nature. We don't like it. So I think we want those titles because we really don't want to be known as a servant because we don't like the way people treat servants. Where being taken advantage of and taken for granted comes with being a servant. Did you know that? Yay! That's great. That is a shouting word right there. It is. Being taken advantage of, being taken for granted comes with, but it should not lead to abuse. I feel like when it comes to that place and it starts getting to abuse, how many know it's not good anymore? Amen. We'll talk about that some other time. A few weeks I'd like to talk about um, when helping hurts, um, toxic charity. (laughs) Amen. But anyways... But we, we don't want to be asked to serve. We don't want to volunteer to serve. We assume everybody else will do it. Somebody else is doing it. But man, put my name on that trophy. Right? Put my picture on the brochure. Because man, that's what I like. But when it comes to the other things to get there or whatever, not even get there, we don't like that. How many know that's in our old nature? But aren't you glad that God has promised that He gives us the victory? He gives us victory over this stuff and so that we can really be like Jesus and see people know Jesus through our lives. Let me just give you a few keys in having a servant's heart. Here's some keys in having a servant's heart. I think, number one, understand that you already have a position in Christ. You already have a position in Christ. You're already loved. You're already accepted. You're already received. He already affirms you. He already recognizes you. You already have a position in Jesus Christ. Jesus said, or the, Paul wrote, we are seated together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. How many know you already have a position in Christ? Amen. You're healed. You're delivered. You're a son of God. You're a daughter of God. Come on. You're a worshiper. You're a, you're, you're a servant. You already have a position in Jesus Christ. Jesus gave us a position when he died and rose again. We had a position. The Bible says that we are raised together with him in Christ. Amen. So that's what we need to focus on, our position in Christ. Because we already have it. We don't need to fight for position. Listen, you're a witness. You're a, uh, in the earth, the Bible says. So you're already called to evangelize. You're called to lay hands on the sick. You're called to, to move in the gifts of the Spirit. You're called to operate, to bless the church. You're called to serve other people. You already have the goods. A title or position in the church just simply recognizes what you're already doing and already who you are. Amen? And so we have a position in Christ. And I want to give you another key in having a servant's heart. Is This is the, one of the biggest keys. Is I do it as unto the Lord. I don't do it for, as Paul talked about, men pleasers. As, as I'm going to get some recognition and affirmation and compliments from people and things like that. He said, I do it as unto the Lord. How many of the Bible says, whatsoever you do and word or do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, no, we, do, we live for Him. Well, I live for my, my neighbors and the culture. I'm trying to keep up with them. No, I live for God. I'm already, I'm already accepted in God. I'm already approved in God. Come on, somebody. I'm already got recognition in God. Stop fighting for all those things. We already have those things in Jesus Christ. And aren't you glad that God rewards so much better than one of the people can? People give you compliments. Ooh, you're so great. 
But man, when God blesses your family and your children with protection and health and safety and finances, how many know those are good, good blessings? And you can't get those anywhere else, amen, except from the Lord. They're so great, and they last forever, the Bible says. So let's do it as unto the Lord. And our work, and our marriage, and our family, it's unto the Lord. It's not for the other person to say, hey, look at all that I did. Now you need to do it back. Come on. Look, look, go to your boss and say, I've been here a long time. I do more work than everybody else. I need a raise. How many know we do it as unto the Lord? It work as unto the Lord. We live and love as unto the Lord. It doesn't matter what people's response is. We do it as unto the Lord. We do it before God. How many know if you don't do it before God, you'll try to do it before man. You're going to be disappointed. You're going to live a dissatisfied life. But if you do it unto God, who you already know loves you, who already accepts you, who's already going to bless you, how many know there's a little bit of difference there? Amen. A little bit more peace there. A little bit more joy there. A little bit more acceptance there. And so uh, I believe that we need to be driven by what God wants, not what others want. Be driven by what God wants in your life, not what other people want you to do, what they expect you to do. Now, if you're under 18, you, you got to do what your parents want you to do. Amen. Do that. Amen. But you understand. I'm not, please, uh, I'm not teaching your kids to, to run all over the city and be crazy. Amen. <clears throat> But I like what Matthew Barnett said, uh, uh, he, he tweeted a few months ago. He said, everyone wanted Jesus to be a powerful political figure. He had all the qualities to lead. Instead, he spent his life speaking of another kingdom. It frustrated his followers that he would not let his life be drawn into a political system that was flawed, ineffective, and corrupt. See, he was doing as under the Lord. He was driven by what God wanted. And at 12 years old, he was so passionate about what God wanted. He said, i got to do what my father wants me to do. How many of you know that kind of passion really keeps you up late at night, early in the morning, gets you up? Man, you, you're driven by what God wants, not what other people want. Amen. And so I just want to uh, close this part of it and say that if God has called you to be a servant, he will anoint you, he will guide you, he will protect you, he will bless you. If God has called you to be a servant, if God's called you to be a minister, how many know He's going to take care of you? He's going to open doors. He's going to, you know, you don't have to fight for a position or title or place or any type of recognition. How many know God's going to do that? Amen. And I'd rather get it from the Lord than anybody else. I'd rather, amen, get recognition from God. Come on, somebody. Amen. And even if it's all the way until I die, I'd rather get it then then get some cheap thank you today. Amen? Amen. And so I believe that I want to say this, and I said this at the very beginning, and I think it bears repeating, that the character, three characteristics that Jesus calls every believer to in every generation is submission, sacrifice, and serving. And we'll never get away from those things. But many people look at it so bad. And I thought to myself, you know, Lord, there's joy. How many believe there's joy in true holiness? It's not something, a bunch of rules and, oh, well, you're, you, you know, I don't want to. I, I talked to one guy one time and he said, he said, I don't want to be a Christian. I'm struggling with it because of holiness. I don't, I'm not ready for that yet. How many know it's not drudgery, it's joy. And so when we talk about the principles of God, they are spirit and they are life. I'm telling you, everything that Jesus wants for us is life and blessing. Come on, if I was preaching about how to get rich, you'd be shouting me down, right? But come on, everything God wants for us, submission and sacrifice and serving, how many know there's joy in those things? 
There's blessing in those things. There's reward in those things. And, I, and that's really what I want. I want God. I want His way. I want what He wants. Amen? And I want to do it His way. Time's run away from me. So let's just stand on our feet today. Amen. How many feel today that you want to be bound by love? You want to be bound to love. Right? I don't want to be bound to acceptance. I don't want to be bound to approval. I don't want to be bound to recognition from other people. I want to be bound by love for God. I want to be tied to Jesus because He's a servant. Amen. I want to say, Lord, I want to be Your servant. It is hard at times and it is difficult and it isn't the easiest way, but it is the best way. It's God's way and it leads to love and to maturity in the Lord. And when you realize enough times that, Lord, it's about You, it's about serving You and it's about what You can do through my life as I serve. How many know that parents, your children are watching you? Is that right? They're watching you. They're going to imitate you. And as Paul said, as dear children, tell children, we need to imitate God. And so how many know we can imitate God in serving because he showed us how to do it? Teach your children how to serve. Don't just say, everybody, I'm going to be on the couch for a while and you serve me for an hour. No, that's not parenting. Amen. It's serving others. And that's why we have this time of blessing your neighbors. It's giving you an opportunity to show your children and show those around. Not, not just to show them, not do it just to show them, but to help you, amen, in that. Maybe a little catalyst to get you moving in that direction. And your, your kids are going to be touched by how you serve. See, if you're a person, you just feel everybody needs to serve you and you're demanding and you feel like society owes you and everybody else, you're entitled and you're privileged and you're, and you're powerful and, you're, and you just want to lord over people. How many know you're, you're going to raise some really devastating kids? I mean, they're going to be terrible. Can you imagine your kids going to school like that? A lot of kids do. Entitled and telling them to teach. Come on, how many know that's... It's not good to work with people like that. It's hard to work with people like that. Is that right? Amen. So I want to encourage you today to be bound by love, not, not bound by acceptance from other people or approval or recognition. You know, I think the church needs to get out of this. And I'm just talking from my heart right now. I feel like the church needs to get out of these years that we've had of king, kingdom dominionism where we feel like God owes us all this stuff and we need to be the greatest and best at everything and the richest in our cities. How many know that's not Jesus? It doesn't work in the world. People don't listen to those kind of messengers. They just don't. They just don't. <laughs> Amen? And how many know, I believe that the, the, the decades of celebrity ministry is coming to an end. That doesn't work anymore. I said it doesn't work anymore. You don't have to be, God's not making you, Jesus does not make anybody into a celebrity. He only makes them into servants. But yet, look at the servant of, of all. Look at the greatest servant, Jesus. Look what happened. He died on a cross and He's got billions and billions of followers. He's impacted people for centuries. Amen? The greatest recognition that Jesus had was from His Father. Amen. Hallelujah. And so that's what we're after. 
Lord, we want your, your approval. Your, we, I mean, we want it. We already have it. Let us walk in that. Amen? Come on. Let's walk in that. Let us walk in the position that we already have in Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean you walk around your neighborhood. I'm, 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 you know, I'm the priest and the king around here. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How about you? No, we're not. We're not into that. Amen. But, you know, we walk in that, don't we? Mentally and spiritually and emotionally, we walk in that position that we already have in Christ. How many know in Jesus Christ you have been delivered? You're not going to be delivered. You have been delivered. How many know you've been healed? Anybody? Come on. Amen. And you, you've been made rich in Christ. Not one day. You are rich in Christ. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So our position today is what we focus on, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for your word today. Sometimes, Lord, it's just not the easiest to read or to, to learn. But, Lord, it's necessary. It's necessary excuse me, for us to hear in 2021 the principles of serving. It's necessary, Lord, and important that we hear what the Scriptures teach us about how to be like Jesus. Lord, because our world today needs to see Jesus. They need the power of Jesus. They need to see the results that Jesus had in the salvations and healings and deliverances. Lord, our world, our culture, our day, our city, our community, our families need Jesus. And so, Lord, we thank you that, Lord, as we <laughs> excuse me, practice being a servant, Lord, we can, Lord, reflect Jesus Christ. And it develops the character of Jesus. And it, it, we fulfill our role as disciples. We don't have to look for approval from people and what they think of us. But we look to you, God, that we already have that love and approval from you. And Lord, we know it develops in us, Lord, the, the, the character and the, uh, uh, really the integrity of Jesus Christ in our lives. And so, Lord, I pray that as we love our neighbors this week and we bless other people around us, Lord, I pray that you would open up the gospel, open up the doors for the gospel to go into people's hearts and minds. Lord, open up the door and, and open up their ears and their hearts to the gospel. Lord, we give you all the praise and all the glory because you are so amazing and you are the greatest. Lord, we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.